Welcome to Ag Vic Talk, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria. If you mention managing seasonal variability, most people start thinking about strategies to deal with dry times. For some, though, the opposite can be the problem, which is the case for dairy farmer Craig Dwyer from Buller Hare, just out of Cobden in southwest Victoria. In this location, excessively wet winters can be a real problem when juggling the needs of a dairy herd against maintaining healthy paddocks. To find out more, Craig Dwyer joins me in the AgVic Talk studio. Craig, thanks for your time. No worries, Drew. Any time at all. Craig, the focus of our discussion is dealing with seasonal variability. But in terms of seasons, I understand you just had a pretty good one. Uh, yeah, we, we've been pretty handy given the uh, spring kind of lasted all the way through until effectively New Year. We did dry off a, a fraction and then had a very, very early break. So, um, yeah, our down period was probably only about six weeks. I would have said last year combined with a nominally high milk price was probably one of the best ones we've ever put together. For a lot of producers, the biggest seasonal risk is not enough rain. For you, though, Craig, I understand it's almost the opposite. Uh, We can get very wet. We are a wet farm. We do have a lot of heavy black flats and a creek running through the middle of the property with kind of around that 850 millimetre rainfall average per year. Yeah, it's a management challenge in a wet winter. The winter we're going through right at the moment up until this point in time has been very, very kind to us, given that uh, June was quite dry and july probably i know others have had it uh, unfortunately too dry for them but july has been ideal for us the only thing that could have made it better was probably a little more sunshine what do you put in place craig to manage the potential of a really wet winter uh we we ensure that we've got enough grass cover on the property before we actually open the farm back up to the um, the milking cows we try to have grass cover levels at uh, 2,500 kilos of dry matter to the hectare and then once majority of the farm is at that point we'll allow the cows to start grazing generally with our calving pattern we're calving around the 15th of May so therefore we do sacrifice the cows off into a couple of paddocks to allow that grass cover to get ahead to give us a feed wedge and then once that wedge is established we um, strip graze them around around the farm to keep the rotation as long as possible so it's around at 60 odd days before we're back in the same paddock again which becomes a challenge though in in the middle of winter when you potentially have to throw open most of the farms divided up into 10 acre paddocks and when it does get shockingly wet we do have to throw the gate open and give them one complete paddock where you'd at least try to get two if not three feeds out of the one paddock. What have you been doing in terms of pasture management? I'm wondering what sort of changes have been needed because from what I understand, it wasn't a dairy farm before. It was a dairy farm through from about the early 80s up until uh, 1999, but a very, very underdeveloped farm, let's put it that way. It was just 22 paddocks with 22 dams, no trough infrastructure or water infrastructure and very minimal... um, laneways and that sort of thing so and then it was a beef farm from the late 90s all the way through until we bought it in 2012 but it was leased that we leased it out for three years before we moved on to it ourselves so to cope with the demands of a dairy herd 
other than the infrastructure requirements. Have you had to do a lot in terms of pasture development to support that herd? Yeah, we've renovated uh, virtually the whole place, Drew, um, back into um, the more newer varieties of perennial grasses. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the um, annuals, sowing annuals in and then having to do the same thing again next year. I know you can get bulk feed off it, but um, yeah, I'd prefer to stick in the, the perennials and give it our uh, wetter rainfall or more likelihood of reliable rainfall here. Perennials seem to hang on better that I've found. So yeah, we, we've renovated the, the whole farm over a period of five years and um, up the fertility base too to support that grass. So yeah, I think we've almost got the place up to the right spec that we need for it to be uh, producing as good as we could possibly get it. Okay, so you've got the pasture to a certain level, but you're still dependent upon fodder to a certain extent as well, aren't you? Yeah, we do. We do buy in. Um, we endeavour to cut as much silage as possible off the place, but we uh, do buy in up to about 300 tonne of um, cereal slash clover hay that we have with the long-term relationship with the hay grower not far down the road from us, reasonably close. So um, we've had that guaranteed for a few years now. So we do have that uh, fodder up our sleeve to manage a either a ridiculously wet winter or a, um, a longer dry spell while we're trying to establish that um, pasture cover over the farm. So it's, it kind of swings both ways. Are you having to store that on farm? And if so, what sort of infrastructure changes have you had to make to accommodate it? Uh, we've just built a hay shed in May this year. It was purchased uh, late last year, but unfortunately due to um, builder commitments and in some wet weather here through um, the early part of the autumn, we were unable to get it up until um, middle of May, at which stage um, the weather had already turned and the hay that we had purchased this year had to be stored outside, so there wasn't much point putting... Um, slightly damaged hay into the new shed and being slightly damp as well so we definitely have upgraded the infrastructure because it was the one thing that was missing on this farm was a decent hay shed and over this coming summer or this coming hay season we will um, be reassessing our fodder requirements and um, getting probably as much hay into that shed as possible. Craig, in regards to assessing those fodder requirements, what are you actually looking at? I mean, what sort of planning tools, apps or seasonal forecasts help you make those decisions? I've already made decisions on um, which paddocks will be uh, renovated for this uh, coming spring. We'll put in a um, a fodder rape crop into um, paddocks that have been either badly damaged by pugging or have the um, most tired grass species in them as in the ones that were probably sown five years ago if they've got some ongoing issues either from cricket damage or pugging etc we'll um, renovate them so those decisions have already been made for those paddocks that will probably get pulled out of the rotation and then we'll try and get those fodder crops in early to give us a feed wedge to keep the cows milking through until uh hopefully at least February, off some of that green feed because we do pump our effluent water back over those uh, crops to try and get a potential second, maybe even a third grazing off them if the season's really kind to us with a little bit of rainfall and not too many stinking hot days. But we will also just bank on buying 200 tonne of hay on this farm pretty much every year without fail. I'd prefer to be uh, 
overinsured on the hay side of things by having that fodder on farm rather than having to go to the hay market potentially when everybody else is if there is a shortfall. So a hay in the shed or hay on farm, we consider money in the bank here. So it's plan for the worst and hope for the best. Is that more of a seasonal plan that you've got in place as opposed to looking at seasonal forecasts and thinking, oh, maybe I need a bigger buffer or even a smaller buffer? I do look at the forecasts potentially for the seasons coming. I did note the bomb this year predicted a very, very wet winter. Um, That didn't eventuate here, thankfully, for a wet farm like ours. Yeah, I don't put... 100% 100% faith in them. As I said, we, we will get as much fodder on farm as we can and as uh, cash flow allows anyway. And given that this hay shed is now here, we'll probably try and keep that as full as possible over the journey. Um, this season's shaping up like the cereal guys up slightly north of us are having a, a, a cracking year at this stage. So if that continues, hopefully there'll be uh, a fair bit of hay about and the price might be back a little. And the guys up north, New South Wales and Queensland, have, um, they've got some green grass about. So hopefully their requirements for fodder will be less. So the demand may not be there as there has been, but who knows, you throw a bushfire in there and the demand can go through the roof again. Craig, looking a bit further ahead, what plans have you got to try and insulate your property from the extremes of either summer or winter? Probably the next capital expenditure will be on some drainage so we can uh, avoid damaging some of that pasture that we're putting into the wetter paddocks. That'll allow us to get a little bit more uh, traffic over those paddocks without doing as much damage. The drier side of things, we have got uh, a lot better at the water storage on farm given that there was 22 paddocks, 22 dams. There is a reticulated trough system to every paddock some of the dams have been cleaned out so our uh, capacity for storage on farms a lot better we've also put culverts in and redirected some drains to ensure that we do catch the surface runoff that we do get our effluent side of things we're using that uh, nutrient base and the water that comes with that to go back over the um, the fodder rape crops we're setting ourselves up as best we can here we don't have any irrigation water or any underground water here, so we're entirely reliant on runoff. So it is a very precious commodity that we have to try and manage better into the future. Craig Dwyer, it sounds like you are doing a very detailed job of managing it and in the process laying substantial foundations for the future. Thank you very much for joining me in the AgVic Talk studio. No worries, Drew. Appreciate that. And yeah, let's hope the season's favourable for everybody. For more Agriculture Victoria information on dealing with climate variability, you can subscribe to both The Break and the Milking the Weather newsletters. Both of these you can find through the Agriculture Victoria website. Also, you can get in contact with your local dairy extension officer who can direct you to relevant information and advice to help you get started in understanding how your business can adapt to climate variability. Thank you for listening to Ag Vic Talk. For more episodes in this series, find us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm.
This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria, authorised by the Victorian Government Melbourne.